Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I'm here with my co-host, Sean McManaman. This week, Sean and I are discussing basic quality tools, when to use them, and which ones are our favorites. So, with that, let's start the show. So, Sean, uh, this week I think we decided that we were going to talk about um, quality tools. Uh, so, last week and the week before, we kind of uh, uh, went through an introduction of, of quality, uh, kind of the uh, frameworks of quality. Uh, we went through how to start uh, a quality program, some of the basics. I thought this week we could kind of dive into uh, uh, what tools uh, can you do, can you use to uh, um, uh, run your quality system? And of course, I know I've got some favorites and I've, uh, you know, several that I've used and I know there's some lean tools out there, but uh, I think the first thing we need to make sure of uh, that everybody's clear on is that we're talking about tools, not frameworks. So we're going to be uh, talking about tools that you can specifically use to solve a problem uh, we're not necessarily diving into the details of, let's say, a DMAIC process or uh, an 8D process or anything like that, a plan, do, check, act. Um, right. Well, I think, and then we just um, stick a couple of two cents in here. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to go through this, and hopefully it will be beneficial to the, to the people listening, because these might be words and things that they've heard in sure. the past, and like how are they applied or where do they fit in? Right. Just like you went through with the frameworks of you know, the DMAIC process or you know, any of the other, any of the other um, formats, how, does, how, how do, does a tool support that format? Sure. And so what are the tools and what are the formats? Some of these Japanese words that we've heard right. in the past, what, what do they mean and where do they fit in the big scheme of things. I think the big thing that that you've got to try to do is you've got to try to understand what the tool is used for and what kind of problem it will help you solve. And then build up your toolbox of tools and then pull the tool out when you need it to solve a problem. So understanding your problem and understanding what tools can help you solve that problem is the link you're trying to make. So I know that there's, there's some diagrams and writings and books out there that say only use this tool during this process or only use this tool during this stage or this phase. Mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer of not doing that because I don't think you get as much out of it. You know, I think that you can hinder yourself. Well, and that's where I think we have come from with this whole series of, of discussions is, is knowing, knowing your people, knowing what you want to do and what you want to get out of the process you're trying to change or the culture you're trying to change. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're absolutely right. Um, going by some formula yeah. is, is less beneficial, I would say. Yeah, it's not necessarily bad. Right. It's just less beneficial than, than understanding, you know, what tools you have. I mean, yeah. you know, just like if you're in the garage working on your car, you know that, you know, there's a specific – there's a specific wrench for a specific job. Well, you know what? If that wrench doesn't fit, you got to understand what the rest of the tools are that you have so that you can use a tool that will you know, be able to do the job because you can't use some other tool or you know, maybe it's too fancy. You don't know how to use that. Well, and that's tool. a great analogy. The one tool I always think of when you go to the car analogy is yeah. the tool that's used to take off the steering wheel. Oh, Have you ever seen one of those? Yeah, the steering wheel puller. Yeah. 
Actually, <laughs> that is the funniest right. tool, but it's a great analogy. That is the perfect tool to get that done because trying to get that steering wheel off without it well, is... I did it with a GMC Safari truck. I had to build my own steering wheel puller. Actually, and I can't take all the credit. My father, who is a genius of figuring stuff out, helped me build that steering wheel puller. Yeah, because because the darn the darn steering wheel was cutting my indicator light. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah. So in order here, just quick, in yeah. order to pass inspection, I hardwired the indicator light so that when the guy looked at it in Pennsylvania, I had a wire running under the car to the light. I energized it and turned it off so that my blinker worked. All right. That's funny. There you go. So there you go. Solve the problem. Solve the quality. Yeah, yeah. quality problem. There. there you go. So I think the first thing I, I want to mention, and, and again, you know, we've we've used this word before. Is uh, I don't want to sound too cliche, but your first tool is your employees, and and it shouldn't be cliche. It shouldn't be listening to us. That's where that's where we have to go for yes. the the horsepower of your organization. Yeah, don't as a quality person or as somebody that's uh, been empowered to to make some changes or perform some lean activities or start a Six Sigma program, you can't do it by yourself. Right. You have got to engage the people. You've got to take the time to help them understand why they've got to engage. Because I can promise you now, they won't want to. <laughs> Right, they, yeah, they, because they don't understand. They don't understand. That's right. They can't make the leap, so you've got to help them make the leap. Right. And I think there is some some ways of doing that, and some of these tools that we're going to touch on will help uh, support that. But I thought the first place that we should talk about is kind of the uh, the seven basic tools that, that quality, not necessarily Lean or Six Sigma or anything like that, but that quality says are the basic tools that you should have in your toolbox and that you should learn. Right, and, and I'll try to generalize as well. And you're absolutely right that quality says you should have in your, your tool bag, but they're really analysis tools. They are, right? Yeah, sure. So it's, most so of them are. And, and most people probably have done these things mm-hmm. in the past in order to solve a problem. Sure. So so I'll try to be, you know, the, the yin to your quality yang <laughs> and just say, you know what, some of these things, now go ahead, you know, go ahead, go through them mm-hmm. and, and we'll know, you know, times where we've done that, but not necessarily in a framework or knowing that it was a quality tool. Well, I will say that some of these, you know, all of them I've used, but some of them I think are better tools than others, of course, depending on when you'd use them. But the, the first one is the cause and effect diagram, sometimes called the Ishikawa diagram or the fishbone diagram, uh, using it to identify possible causes to a problem. Awesome Great yeah, tool. Right. Yeah. I think the reason it's it works so well, it's because it's visual. Mm-hmm. It's a visual... Uh, pictorial of all the different things that can cause a problem. Um, a check sheet is the next one. So it's a form of collecting data. I love check sheets. Well, yeah. And, I mean, and I, you know, getting people to, to, to take something so basic and put it into their process, they kind of fight it at first, but once they see the outcome of it, they usually really like that tool. And the thing is, you have to, with a check sheet, you have to make sure it does not become Wrote. Yes. It, you, you can't. You yeah. can't just. You know. People can't just say, "Oh, I remember seeing these six things," and then check them off. Well, and you've got to have a reason for the check sheet. Right. What are you doing with it? What What problem are you trying to solve with right. it? What are you trying to identify with it? Mm-hmm. You just don't want to put check sheets out into the environment everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's that would be a waste of time, and you know, uh, potentially waste of and time. Pushing people in the wrong direction. And pushing people in the it's wrong not a, direction. It's not about filling out the check sheet. It's about making sure what the check sheet has on it. Is correct. And you're doing something with you're it. You're doing something. There's yeah. an action. Yeah. The next one is a control chart. 
so studying how processes change over time. This is one of those ones that I think um, I haven't used as much just because I haven't been in a continuous flow environment. Right. It's more, data has yeah, to yeah, more focused on, a, on an environment where you've got continuous flow. When you're dealing with a custom environment, it doesn't seem to fit as well. Right. You know, there's things you can use it in, but it doesn't fit as well. Um, the uh, histogram, sure. which is very basic frequency diagram. So when you are taking that da- the check sheets, and you've got uh, you can lay out a frequency diagram and look at your your curve and see if you've got a nice bell curve. Is it tight? Where is it at? And these things the can all tie together with a cause and effect. If you do have a problem, yep. you, know, you build a you cause and effect diagram. You've got a histogram. Yep. You throw it all together. It should give you an answer. Yeah. Um, Pareto chart. Uh, this is the uh, the tool used to show uh, you know what factors are more significant. This is the eighty twenty rule type right. of thing uh, where you're trying to see what things to go after. As we all know, there's a lot of things to tackle in an environment. So you should be spending you should be spending your time focused on the right things if possible. And the way to do that is to do a uh, collect some data and do a, right. a Pareto chart. And yeah, go after. So t- typically, what a Pareto diagram shows is that you know twenty percent twenty percent of the issues create eighty percent of your problems. Of your problems. So you can right. look at it. You can look at it both mm-hmm. ways. You know, eighty percent of the cost is caused by. Twenty percent of the issues, right? So you go after you go after that that small number to get the big bang. Right. It's a leverage tool. Yeah. Um, scatter diagram. Uh, this is a tool looking for looking at relationships between data. Mm-hmm. So looking at something whether it's positively skewed, negatively skewed. Is it lumped? Is it scattered? Does it mm-hmm. show you nothing? Does it show you something? Yeah. You know. So that's just another way of looking at data. So some of these tools are statistical based. Um, Gotta love data. The last one. Um, the last one they kind of flip around as to what the seventh tool is. Some of some places say it's stratification. Others say it's flow charting. Others say it's uh, um, run charts. Um, I went ahead and put flow charts just because I'm a huge fan of flow charts. I've used them a lot. Uh, that is probably one of the tools that I've used uh, the most just because uh, when you're trying to understand and solve a problem, you need to have an understanding of the picture. Right. You need you need to understand how does it what flow? the steps are. Right. Yeah. So and who does what? And mm-hmm. and the only way to do that really is with a flow chart and just some suggestions on a flow chart. Don't you know? I've done it a lot of different ways. The best way is everybody in the room, manual, sticky tabs. Mm-hmm. Is really the best way. Storyboarding to do it. the storyboarding process. the process. It really is, and you know I've seen it done a lot of ways. You know a lot of online tools that you can throw up Not there, but <laughs> you, you need the engagement. Going back to people, you need the engagement of people, and really, if you get them doing it and building it, then you're going to get better engagement. The, the best thing I've seen there is when somebody at one end of the process doesn't realize what happens at a different end of the process, and that light bulb goes on. Oh yeah, and then you really get some some velocity well, in, yeah. in understanding. You get those debates going. I don't do that. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, or wow, you really do that? You do all that to get me what I need? Yeah. Wow, I only really need you know one tenth of it or something. You know whatever whatever it is. But the discussion happens well when when you flowchart, and then when you even get into identifying. Uh, which steps are value add and non value add? Right, you see Ooh. people's eyes roll. Oh, oh my god, I can't believe yeah. you do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a waste of time. You yeah. know what? Those comments, as long as you can constructively harness yeah, those facilitate comments, them. Yeah. facilitate them. Mm-hmm. You know, let 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 it flow. So those are the what uh, the quality industry calls the seven basic tools uh, to quality. Now, there's many many other tools. 
Um, but I thought that uh, from there we probably ought to discuss uh, some of the tools that are wrapped around the the lean initiative, since it's kind of the the big one that's pushing. Uh, it's you know manufacturing based. Um, now it can be it can be used in a lot of different areas, but it started out in the manufacturing arena. Arena. So I thought we'd talk about that uh, for a little bit. Um, talking about waste elimination. Right. Is, lean drives waste elimination. Waste elimination. Yeah. So some of the tools within that. Uh, I think the first one that you've got listed there, 5S, that's the foundation. Yeah. You've got to start there. In fact, with you know, in your quality toolbox, I think 5S is probably, if, if, if I were king for a day, I would tell a group to spend their first six months to a year doing 5S. Right. Because I think that there's things that you could trick, trickle in as they're doing the 5S to start getting them used to quality initiatives. But 5S is that is a really good um, mechanism for getting people to start understanding right. that Thinking. their job is more than just yeah. doing their, their Mo- yeah Yeah, moving one piece from here to there. Yeah. But, you know, 5S and what I've seen in different organizations is that you don't want 5S to be the joke. Oh, I've got a 5S. You know, oh, somebody's, yeah. somebody's office has got tons of paper and everything like that. Hey, 5S that office. When, when people that say that don't really understand what the whole – yeah, because they're thinking it's only about cleaning. Cleaning, yeah, yeah and it's and it's not the right. the back half of five S is really the important part. The cleaning just gets it started. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the back half where you start to put something in place to start controlling the system or the area right. is the like, important like part. Like standardizing, standardizing, you know, and yep. sustaining it, mm-hmm. you know, so that uh, so that you have you have a flow after you've done the. You know the sorting and the um, the shining and the straightening, and right? And you know the the theory with five S is the fact that you're setting something up where people aren't looking for stuff, they're not making mistakes, right. uh, they're not having to replenish things, and while that mostly works in a manufacturing environment, the theory holds true for front office activities just, also. Just, in just your, on your own desk, yeah, you know, or, or if you're paying your bills, you yeah. know, how, how do you have? You know, where's your checkbook? Where's your where where do your bills come in? Where's your stamps and whatever? Yeah. If anybody pays them by mail anymore, I don't know. I think the other part of that is the the TPM. You know, having mm-hmm. some sort of good total productive maintenance in place, um, and Kanban. Uh, you know, Kanban. You know, helping with the uh, the flow of information, cards, things like that. Being visual, being I mean, very visual. You know, yeah. if, if if you have a process that is complicated, or you have people that that move in and out, if you have a process that is visual with cards and people can follow those directions and understand that that's all that they have to do, then, then you do have a, a waste less, less waste process. Yeah. Right. Uh, flow, flow is a big part of that. Uh, making sure that information flows or material flows, mm-hmm. uh, pokey oak, mistake proofing yeah and that's yeah that's one thing yeah, i don't know if many people you, you heard pokey oak and, mm-hmm. and uh what, what is it mistake proofing and it's really not driving to the lowest common denominator it's just making sure that it's clear yes it's very clear um i i like the example in one of the classes that i took it, it showed four burners on a stove you know in a, in a pattern of two by two right and then the, the knobs to turn them on mm-hmm. was four in a line on the right hand side and it said, oh. well, which burner turn? Which which knob turns on which burner? You don't know. You could turn on. You can you turn one on it. You would assume would be the bottom right burner, and it could be the top left burner for all you know. So, you know, pokey oak in that 
system is a good example of making sure that when you turn the burner on, you know, you turn it on, you know which burner's coming on. Right. You know, so. Uh, then we've got just-in-time, uh, so having material when you need them, uh, which is a tool, a concept. Yeah. Some of these lighter ones start getting into uh, – uh, they're tools, but they're also what I would call concept tools. Right. You know, uh, uh, Jaduka, um, you know, highlighting the causes of problems bef- uh, because work stops. So literally you have a system in place uh, where work will stop because you've built that intelligence into the system. And then you can go figure out the root cause of the problem because things have stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, again, more towards a, uh, a continuous flow environment but a tool that's very valuable to save you time towards getting to the root cause of the problem. Yes, and I and this is one tool that is very painful in the beginning. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? It and is. you know what? And you have to have the fortitude and yeah. the leadership to, to yes, you know what? We're going to stop. And, and in the beginning, we're going to have higher costs and, and slower production. But in the end, it's going to make it so that all those issues are ironed out and then the, the, the process will flow. So then if it does stop later on, you know, in a year after we've got these things ironed out, if it does stop in a year, there is a problem and we should have the tools in place and the understanding by the people that we have as workers as to what to do to go fix that so that we get things rolling again. Right. The uh, next one we had on here was Hijunka, which is load leveling. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Hijunka. <laughs> Um, which is load leveling. Uh, so it, it, it's a way of helping you meet demands by figuring out your resources and your lo- your workloads so that you can help. It's a flow. It's a flow. So, and, and yeah, you know, helping you push through things through the system by leveling the process. Right. And, and taking it away from manufacturing, even if it is a, a document flow process, if you're in, you know, hospitals or, or in the insurance business or something like that, if, if you have, you know, one area can only do four or five documents a day in another area you can do 15 documents a day how do you load level levelize the load between these two typically more than just two departments so that you get the maximum through yeah and then and on uh you know and on i think is something that can be used in in a lot of different ways and a lot of different you know uh processes and it's it's a signal identifying visual you know that you see a lot of times the uh Red, yellow, green lights, mm-hmm. uh, identifying, you know, that if it's red, I've got an immediate issue. If it's yellow, you need mm-hmm. to get over there and help solve it. You know, so it's a good way of whether you've got stationary areas or if you've got flow, it works in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways. So yeah. it's a good tool. The lights in your car. Yeah. <laughs> you need an oil change. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And on. Or, or, yeah, or your, your, your gas gauge is, is you're almost empty, it's yellow, and then when you're darn near empty, it's red. It's dinging at yeah, you. Yeah, and, and you got bells and everything. Yeah. It's, probably going to talk to you so what are your days. favorites out of all this that we've talked out about of all this you know i do have some some favorites so some tools that i have uh uh you know over the years used the most uh i mentioned uh the first one i've got listed here i've we've we've mentioned once but i think it's really the gateway tool <laughs> 5s i really think you've got to start yeah. with 5s and i think it's such a strong cultural changer uh, that you know, starting there, no matter what kind of, of uh, framework you're using, starting with 5s is a great way to start the process, and it's an easy thing for people to understand Absolutely. and learn. And then you start trickling th- tools in there uh, for problem solving. I always start with five Ys. It's again such an easy, easy tool, uh, a, a good way of and. 
and I would have to say, if done right, yeah. um, you know, a good tool that can help you get to the root cause of a problem. And of course, we all know that there's always more than one root cause. It seems like so. You know, you can you use those five whys in that in that scenario. Uh, brainstorming. I've used brainstorming a ton, and you know, very formal uh, brainstorming mm-hmm. where I've used uh, um, sticky notes and cards. Uh, to actually engage all the people in the process to either solve a problem or help identify areas that should be worked on, things like that. So I use brainstorming a lot. Um, uh, FMEA, uh, Failure Modes and Effects Analysis. I think as you get into the process, it's it's a great tool for understanding risk. Yes, because uh, that's the part that I like. It's yeah, because risk, risk is yeah. one of the biggest things that people need to start uh, our companies need to start addressing throughout all their areas of their business is they need to add, they almost need a, a wristband that says you know something with risk on it you know um, I, I like I like is that. this risk that, I <laughs> like that question because to me what it what it it does is it makes you think ahead mm-hmm. okay so I'm I'm into the planning and the the understanding what the leading indicators are right so if you're if you've got your mind bent on leading indicators. Well, then you're going to look and see what are the items that that drive risk either higher or lower. And and, and risk isn't all bad. Uh, right. you know, and maybe we'll have a, a session on risk because I love analyzing and, and uh, discussing risks because – what you everything you do has got some level of risk. Well, we know it's extremely important to the new ISO mm-hmm. nine thousand one twenty fifteen. It's it risk is a big deal yeah, in that sense. certification. So, uh, the last three that I had listed are very visual tools. I already mentioned uh, flow charting, but kind of it's. Uh, uh, its brother on steroids is the uh, value stream mapping. You know, I've, I've mentioned this a, a few times in that I'm a very visual person, so I, I really like value stream mapping. Now, value, value stream mapping done again, done right, is not the easiest tool to right. do. It's kind of it's kind of challenging, but it's a tool that has a lot of information in a single picture. Uh, you know, it's got all these data points within process sets, such as number of users, the cycle time, elapsed time, you know, right. all this so data associated yeah, there's with a lot of data with it. So yeah. all in one place so that you can look at your current state mm-hmm. and then define your future state where you want to get to. So I really like uh, value stream mapping. Mm-hmm. One of the other tools that I uh, visual tools that I use, and I use this when I'm starting out. A brand new process, and that is SIPOC, especially when you're trying to understand kind of the thirty thousand foot view of things. Uh, SIPOC is that is that tool that allows you to uh, um, see the bigger picture. Um, SIPOC stands for supplier, uh, input, process, output, and customer. So the theory is is that you you figure out what your key process steps, usually anywhere from five to eight steps figure out what the inputs are to start that process, who's involved in it, which are your suppliers, and then what is your output and who are the recipients. Right. And the, so it really yeah. bounds and scopes right. the information. How it gets from, yeah, front to back and, and the benefit, the benefit yeah. to that customer. Mm-hmm. So that one's a big one I've used quite a few times. And then the last one, again, I just love because it's a very visual tool and it just kind of wraps things up nicely as you're either going through it or finishing it up, and that's an A3 report. And there's a couple different types of A3 reports that you can develop either for uh, proposing an idea or um, managing a process during 
a project improvement, or just what I've used it for mostly is reporting out end results. Kind of nicely summarized, A3 being the fact that it's the size. That's what I was going to say. Um, when yeah. people look it up, just look yeah. up A3 report. A3 report. It's, it's report. the size yeah. of the paper. A3 yeah, A3 and, paper. and it's almost an 11 by 17. It's a European size, yeah. A3 is. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically an 11 by 17 piece of paper, and you're bound by – the theory behind it is that you're bound by trying to describe your process on 11 by 17 piece of paper, and uh, you don't do any more than that. You, you try to be very visual with the visual tool. Visual with a couple of mm-hmm. explanations. Yeah, right. try to keep wording down low. Mm-hmm. So so those are my uh, the favorites that, you know, that I've used and I've used quite a few times. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add to this? No, I, no? I'm going to come from the, you know, the management side, the leadership sure. side, and, and you and I have worked together in the past, and yeah, yeah. you've... Uh, the only reason I know A3 reports is because you gave them to me, so that, that, that works out well. But, uh, yeah, no, I can't argue with those favorites, especially, you know, where we are right now in, in you know, these discussions and in our organizations, which mm-hmm. are kind of new to bringing up, you know, quality yeah. programs and issues and things like that. Those would be great to start. I think the key to all of this is start to learn them. Mm-hmm. And then pull them out when you think you need them and try them out. Yeah. That's really the yeah, there's don't, no magic to Don't go shoot your mouth off about, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. <laughs> no. <laughs> the time will, will dictate yeah. when you should use a tool. So the thing is, is you know, know, know what's in your bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, let's get into our picks. I'll go ahead and go first. So oh. last week, <laughs> so last week I picked LeanKit. This week I'm picking LeanKit. But I'm picking it for a different reason. I found out that uh, LeanKit has a uh, a mobile app, an Apple version, and it is just as good as their cloud-based version. And I'm very excited to to use the tool. And hopefully, you know, leadership's going to let us engage in the tool. So um, I'm I'm about, I'm about ready to call LeanKit and and say, hey, do you want to advertise? Yeah, that's a good idea. So what about you? What was your pick? Well, my pick, I'm, I'm going uh, off the boring books and, and quality <laughs> and whatever else we're talking about here uh, because um, the weather, at least here in Texas, is is nice this week. And, That's and, very nice. And, uh, it's hopefully, California weather. Hopefully, hopefully winter is over for us. I'm sure we'll get down a little bit. But um, So I'm back on my bicycle and using Strava, the, the mobile app for mm-hmm. – Tracking, you know, the miles and, and, and there's a social aspect to it so your friends can know that you're riding. And that's how actually a buddy of mine and I, we have a goal each year as to how many miles we're going to ride. That's how we keep keep um, each other accountable is that we're friends on Strava and he knows how many miles I do and I know how many miles he does. And, and uh, you know. And you can use it for both bicycling and yes, running, right? Yes, and running, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. But for my goal, it's got to be just... But if, and, and, and it doesn't count, just like my buddy and I, we talk, um, if you sit on a stationary bicycle, it doesn't matter how many miles you put on a stationary bicycle, if it's not on Strava, which you've got to be moving, it doesn't count. That GPS, that exactly. gets you every time. Exactly. So. Uh, so that's all we've got for this show. We hope to uh, see you all next week. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man vs. Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And also you can drop us a line on the message page from there. Again, thank you 
and enjoy your week. Thank you.